So he's a he's he's a big old unit, but he's he's very technical. He's strong as an ox. If you don't stick four past us, you'd be rubbish. Uh, but... <laughs> Just seen a picture of Anthony Taylor, and if he's the ref, you've won. He's honestly right. Getting your excuses in already. So Ben, Ollie leaves, yep. Carrick in, United finally win, and a good win as well. Like, is that just yeah, um, um, a perfect start to the Carrick dynasty? Um, no, let's not let's not jump jump the gun there. You uh, texted me last night and said Carrick's at the wheel. <laughs> I did. <laughs> that was a complete joke. Sarcasm, um, was it? No, yeah, yeah, if yeah. You, uh, yeah, me being serious. Um, First half was just as bad as it had been. Uh, yeah. If um, if De Gea hadn't pulled off some ridiculously good saves, uh, oh, and and Villarreal uh, could finish better, then they could have been they could have scored a couple of goals first half. Yeah. As it happens, they um, they had most of the ball, they had a lot of chances. We we tried to hold our positions, uh, and to be fair, we we digged in and we um, we held on just to get to half time at nil nil was was a, a pleasing sight. Yeah. And then and then can you say second half we came into it a bit more. I think Villarreal got a little bit tired. Yeah. Um uh, Fred who you know isn't my favorite player uh, pressed one of their defenders uh, won yeah. the ball back high up the pitch and it, it ended up dropping nicely to Ronaldo who dinked it over the keeper. One nil up, and and it was good to see Sancho playing and scoring. Yeah, he, um, playing well it was probably as well. His, his first full ninety minutes, and he was he was superb. I thought he was really good. Hopefully, that's yeah. that sort of uh, that uh, monkey off his back, and he, uh, yeah. he he starts playing a bit better now. So, yeah, so all in all, good win. Obviously, I went to Stamford Bridge last night to watch Chelsea play. I listened to the first half in the car on the way to Shepherd's Bush, um, and the, the the only thing that I really remember from the from that journey was a little text that pinged up on my phone whilst I'm looking at the map. Um, obviously using sat-nav, hashtag hands-free. Um, I, I just see a little thing pop up from Jack, our mate, that said, oh, not a good start from United here. And I was like, yeah, I mean, they're probably going to lose this now, aren't they? It's going to be just the capitulation from the weekend. But um, I watched uh, probably the last half an hour from uh, the, the concourse at Stamford Bridge. And all I could see was saves after save by De Gea, highlights from from him being incredible in goal. Um, and then I, I caught the first goal, um, didn't catch the second goal, but yeah, not a bad, not a bad result. Um, but yeah, no, I just, I, I find it funny. On the way home, I was listening to TalkSport. So my phone, to, to defend myself for doing that, um, my phone was low on battery. I needed it for the sat nav. So I couldn't listen to music on my phone. So I chucked on TalkSport because Five uh, Five Live wasn't actually doing anything to do with sports. It would just finish, right? So it was Jason Cundy and Jamie O'Hara who... Jason Cundy, one of the worst... The fo- footballing brains trust you. You've just named it. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best Mate, way to describe it. It, it was terrible, Jeez. honestly. It's some of, it's some of the worst... Uh, the, the worst opinion that I've ever heard, but not as bad as the people that were coming through and, and chatting and um yeah, it was just 
honestly listening to people talk about it and there was one particular chap that came on that was talking about how ollie should have stayed in the job and all this kind of stuff and yeah it was just no, embarrassing no. but so you've got your first win outside of the, the solskjaer era um just want mm-hmm. to kick off with that um we'll go on to chelsea in a minute but um looking back at the weekend obviously we spoke sunday night yeah so the day that ollie got sacked um and there's a lot of football at the weekend and we obviously focused a lot on the Watford United game which the Watford United game from a neutral perspective mate was unbelievable like I know we didn't really touch on this because we moaned a bit about Solskjaer and we spoke a lot about that we didn't really talk about the game but for me that United game versus Watford Watford just played off the park I think Dennis was incredible throughout that entire game Saar had a very difficult start with with missing a penalty um, and then missing another missing penalty. Two, after missing that. two penalties, yeah. By the way, don't think that second penalty should have been retaken. Um, no, I, no, I don't think that's right at all. Because obviously, it gives them an advantage that they shouldn't have had. Um, but yeah, but apart from that, Chelsea beat Leicester. Leicester played terribly at the weekend. Like I mean, the first half they were yeah. they were awful. Um, yeah. Just to give a, a recap, so that we all know, because I think me and Ben have probably forgot about it, because you know our brains are old. Um, Aston Villa beat Brighton 2-0 in Gerrard's first game and then we had Burnley Palace which was 3-3 Newcastle Brentford which was 3-3 in Eddie Howe's first game obviously he was at home because he's got COVID lol Um, Dean Smith got his first win in his first game as Norwich manager their second win of the season 2-1 against Southampton two on the bounce yeah yeah yeah. I mean obviously I mean this is the start of their form isn't it they're going to they're going to send Newcastle down, hopefully. Um, <laughs> Newcastle fans now just throwing their devices in the bins at the sound of it. Um, Wolves beat West Ham 1-0. And then Liverpool was so impressive um, on Saturday against Arsenal. Um, they just never looked like anything apart from a win. And then City beat Everton 3-0. Spurs beat Leeds 2-1. I think the two games that we should probably focus on there, just for the high-scoring element, Burnley yeah. Palace and newcastle Brentford. Yeah, I didn't expect that at all. No, and no. and I kept seeing the scores sort of come in, and it was like because I was watching the Watford United game because so much happened, I couldn't take my eyes off it genuinely, and then looked at yeah. full time. So Burnley and Palace, firstly, you wouldn't ever expect that to be a high-scoring game, would you? No, not particularly. I think. I think if you look at the two sides and, and the form they've been in this season, uh, you you could argue that uh, you'd expect Palace to score a few goals. I think yeah. they've been playing quite well. I think Zaha's been scoring. Um, Conor Gallagher's been uh, not just scoring, but setting loads up. Uh, Benteke, Benteke score, scoring uh, goals. quite a few this season. Yeah, he scored two. I think he had one disallowed as well, didn't he? Yeah. Um, Mark Gay, so, uh, who is ex-Chelsea signed for them during the summer so basically the Chelsea yeah, show so, so you would have thought that that you know from the Palace side of things yeah they they potentially had the yeah had the potential to score a couple of goals Burnley yeah. you sort of think outside of Chris Wood were they gonna were they gonna score a load and um and yeah to be fair I mean we'll, we'll, this was someone I was going to talk about a bit later but but Maxwell Corne yeah uh, Signed from I think Leon at Burnley's third most expensive signing. What a volley he scored! Unbelievable, Jeez, wasn't I, it? 
absolute rocket. Um, you know, he's, he's their top scorer. He scored four in seven, apparently. He's, yeah. um, and, he's, you know, he's Alistair Campbell, really well. Alistair Campbell, ex Labour speaker. He's a massive Burnley fan, isn't he? On Twitter the other day, uh, he was like, yeah. he literally was like, goal of the season, that done, finished, goal of the season. But yeah, I think it was, it was oh, a good game. If you look at the stats, though, I'm just looking on the Premier League website now. And Palace are basically ahead in, in everything that, that matters, you know, clearances, passes, yeah. touches, shots, possession, they had 61% almost. Um, so Burnley really pulled it out there. I think home advantage probably helped them out, if I'm honest. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that was credit, the... Credit's got, credit's got to go to Vieira. He's got on playing so well. I mean, you yeah, think what they've, they? what, they've, what they've probably put up with the last few seasons under Hodgson and, and sort of being just happy to stay up, they, they've really... I'm not saying they've flown out the traps, but they are properly going for it, and it's they great. Have to kind see of, haven't they? Yeah. I mean, I'm just going to check the uh, the table now, but I don't think they're they're tenth. Which, if you'd have if you'd have offered them tenth place after twelve games, they'd have probably bitten your hand off. Especially considering that they lost about, and I don't think I'm not exaggerating here, they lost about fifteen first team players during the summer. Very experienced yeah. players as well, you know, the yeah, likes of Scott Dan and yeah. Gary Cahill and those sort of players, and and they've clearly brought in some really good players as well. And obviously, I, I know I've joked about it being you know Chelsea etc., but Colin Gallagher's are still on loan. You know, he was at West Brom last season, didn't really do much, and Patrick Vieira probably helps that he's a centre midfielder as well. Um, yeah. But that has that has really sort of pushed them on. Um, and then also, I think you know, like I say, Mark Gay was quite good. You got. Um, mm. Uh, what's his name? Edward from Celtic. Yeah, they brought in as well. Hudson, Edward, yeah. I, I just think I, you know, I'm massively impressed that he's getting a tune out. And I said it before, getting a tune out of Benteke because I just yeah. think he's been uh, poor to average for the last few seasons, and, and he's yeah. started this season on fire. He's and he had such good potential, so I didn't know. I mean, because yeah, he, he has to, have, a, otherwise he wouldn't have been at Liverpool. Yeah, I mean, it, that's the thing. I'd like to say he's a he's he's a big old unit, but he's he's very technical he's strong as an ox he's yeah. big he, he wins headers and he and he's scoring and I think that's yeah. you know if you've got someone like that in your side he's going to be a handful for any defence yeah. yeah fair I play to the areas doing well I think Burnley as well if you look at it they actually did quite well to get the uh, get the draw there they're currently 18th with nine points so they've only won one game this season that was their sixth draw which is sort of helping them these little draws here and there but yeah, I think that was a great game. Um, the other game that we mentioned there, Newcastle-Brentford. Now, Brentford obviously had a really good start to the season, um, find themselves yeah. in 14th. And then Newcastle, you normally, I mean, United have just seen it. You, you get a manager that leaves and you get a new manager that comes in in some form. And obviously Carrick would have had a few days where he did pump them up a little bit more. Um, but with Newcastle, Eddie Howe obviously trained them for a few days, wasn't at the game. So it wasn't like a, a G him up sort of yeah. thing where you can see him on the touchline. But 3-3 three, three against Brentford, Newcastle of old yeah. might have capitulated and, and it would have been, you know, 3-0, yeah. for example. So I think that's a really good win for Eddie Howe. To start, uh, sorry, draw. draw. <laughs> <Yeah. Shut up. laughs> really good draw. Good point. It's a good, a good point that they got. Yeah, I, I, I was saying. I, I think um, you know, God, they got they, Joe Linton scored, and it's sort of the the, the person up front. That you think oh, he's not really going to do much. I, I was, yeah. I was listening to something the other day. I was on the radio or something. And they were talking about Joe Linton. And he was signed, and 
basically forced to go up front. I don't think he was ever a, an out-and-out striker previously, uh, previous clubs. Whether it's true or not, I don't know. I haven't looked into his history, but but that's what they were saying. And he, um, and to be fair, he, he looked he looked up for it. He looked uh, determined. You know, yeah. He scored. Uh, you know, and that's. Uh, that's what he's there to do, I guess. And so yeah, fair play to Newcastle. They, they, you know, it's a it's a decent start. They're they're not out of the woods by any stretch of the imagination this season. Um, and I think Burn, uh, sorry, Burnley, Brentford, uh, Ivan Tony scoring again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I, Brentford play really well too. I still expect Newcastle to get relegated. If I'm honest. Yeah, see, I, I'm not sure. I, I said I think depending on who Eddie Howe gets in in January, if, if the new owners have given him enough money to spend, uh, I reckon they they might be all right. Um, we, we've we've spoken about Newcastle previously on, on a few podcasts about you know the midfield needs complete revamping and stuff. It depends who they get in. If they get people in January, they they've got a good chance of staying up. I, I think there are. Probably were uh, three worst teams in the league than them, but they need to do something in January and not be not be too far adrift from everybody by then. Otherwise, yeah. they're in trouble. I don't think they're going to get really high profile players. Like I don't think they're going to go out and get Coutinho and pay people like that. Some of them, I mean, the name that's been touted this week, which obviously you know that that happens all the time now. Um, there are two names actually. So there is Dimokorigi, yeah. and there is Kieran Trippier. And I think the issue with Trippier is that his best form has been playing with world-class players. Alderweireld, Batongan, with Lloris behind him, uh, you know, in-form Lloris behind him, playing at Atletico, that have obviously, you know, gone on and and won the the, the Liga, or La Liga, rather. Um, I think that he might struggle to fit into a very poor defence if they don't strengthen that. Um, and then Origi hasn't really had the time at Liverpool, the time on the pitch at Liverpool to be of any yeah. sort of use other than a couple of key points. Fair enough, those key moments were getting them into a Champions League final and winning them Champions League final. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Newcastle if, if Arigi, looking If Origi is moments. the answer, if Origi is the answer, you're asking I don't know the question. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah it's, he's, he's, he's not going to be the one that's going to fire them to, to safety. Um, no, exactly. But but the free free is a good start, you know. And and again, I and, think and so. To be fair, I, just I mean, this is this is me going off on a tangent again. Are Liverpool going to let him go in January if no, they're not, the Afcon the Afcon is on and Mane, Keita, and Salah are going to the Afcon? Yeah, apparently uh, around he's not that be time. Allowed to leave. So I, he, I mean, it might be yeah. at the end. You know, at the end of January, he might come back. But it all depends yeah. what happens. Yeah. I think as well, yeah. you know, there there are many different names that are touted with him. Uh, Axel Witzel, I'm just, and this is just the BBC gossip column. Axel Witzel, not leave Dortmund, is he? Well, his contract expires at the end of the season, so apparently he's open for a move. But he's 32. Okay. Like, yeah, Trippier's 31. Divacarigi's 26, and hasn't really proven himself to be yeah. a striker you can depend on. So, yeah, but like I say, three-three, good start, and then uh, obviously. Took us into the Champions League games. There was no Monday night yeah. football, which was very sad because you know <laughs> I had to you know not watch football for a night, which was annoying. But um, the Champions League last night. So we start off with the United game. We've already mentioned it a little bit. We've mentioned United yeah. a lot. Um, I didn't get to watch it much, but it's a good result. It gets you through into the, yeah. the knockout stages. That's all you kind yeah. of need at the moment, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. It just, then, it, I think just just. No Europa League for a season is delightful. 
So yeah. we're, we're, you know, even if we get hammered in the first knockout round, I don't care. We're yeah. not going to be playing Thursday, Sunday for the rest of the season, which is what, yeah. what I'm delighted about. So yeah, exactly. Um, and then obviously, so I mentioned earlier um, that I was um, at Stamford Bridge. Mm-hmm. Really good game. Um, I was very impressed with the way that we played. Um, yeah, you got played really well. I think. Yeah. I think once once you got that second, you, Juventus crumbled a lot. Uh, but I think you didn't give them a chance. You you absolutely smothered them and and, and played really well. I think so, watching, watching the Juventus, and I don't watch them a lot. Watching the game yesterday. Because United was the early kickoff, so it was on yeah. straight afterwards. Um, it seemed like Juventus they play nice passes, short passes. They keep the ball quite well. They get into the final third and they just run out of ideas. Uh, they they didn't look like they created too much. I think there was a couple yeah. of shots from long range. Mendy saved, but they they just looked like they. I think uh, no, Thiago Silva pulled off a great save, uh, cleared off the line, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, from yeah. Maratta. But but outside of that, I don't think there was. They they really carved you open at any point. So this and, is uh, this is why I think. Like, yeah, it, it's interesting because um, watching it on TV is very different, obviously, to watching it in the stadium. You get to see a lot more of the game when you're in the stadium. What we do so well is we close down teams in packs, and it's like it's not like not to dig United out, but when United tried to match that system when they played Liverpool, for example, when Basaka would go forward and then it would leave a hole at the back where he was. Yeah. It's almost, and, and with Chelsea, basically, you've got that back five, although the two wing backs are basically your wingers for the most of the time. Um, and then your two wingers push into the middle. So you basically got three strikers at that point, two wingers, yeah. and then you'll find it's, your it's, junior. It's Jorginho pushes yeah. back into a, a back four, basically. But at times last night, I was talking to someone about this earlier. The players just slot into whichever place they're at at the time that the opposition gets the ball. So there was a corner. The play gets pushed back. And it's, at one point, Rudiger was right wing. You had um, uh, Pulisic in the middle, and then you had Cudson Adoy out left. And then your midfield was messed up because of that, but the defence was still there. And we won the ball back and then they made their switch and they went back. So I'm not going to go back into too much because I I do want to talk about Chelsea in general in a minute. Um, And for people watching on on YouTube, it will be in the next video um, that you can catch that will be specifically about Chelsea and about a particular player that I want to talk about. Um, So we'll leave Chelsea because we'll go into a bit more detail in, in the next video after this one. We'll move on to tonight's games. Um, I watched Ajax earlier against Besiktas and Besiktas went 1-0 up because of a penalty and then Ajax basically fought their way back. And I know we spoke about this on Sunday about um, Ten Hag's style of play, right? Yeah. But you just see the way that they have this like never-say-die attitude. You know, they're always Mm -hmm. constantly pushing back and... and they, they yeah, came back. Haller scored two brilliant goals, the brilliant yeah. team goals as well. What what I love about Ajax is they seem fearless. They yeah. don't care who they and it was the same when when Donny played for them. They got to the, the, the Champions League semi-finals and lost to Spurs. You know they yeah. went away to Real Madrid and beat them. They beat them at home. They they you know they 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 seem they beat Juventus completely. Like, yeah. yeah, that's right. They, they seem completely 
not in awe of any team that they come up against. They they yeah. they will just go, turn up and they will they will have a go and they will go for it. And and I love it. And and I said in the last you know thing, I, if I could pick who I wanted to take over as, as United manager, it would be Ten Hag. Let me. I just want to give you. There was a couple of stats that I saw. Um, uh, so Ajax won their first five, all five games in the Champions League. They're the first Dutch team to do that since the early 70s. I think final right. did it, which yeah. is incredible. Um, Ten Hag, as manager of Ajax, has played 19 Champions League games away. He scored, his team, Ajax has scored 34 goals in those games, conceded 15. Guess how many games they've lost? No. One in in 19 games, away, 19 away games in the Champions League. Yeah, that is mad. I mean, I actually... It, Incredible. I watched earlier. There's a, a thing that I think BT Sport must put it together, but it's about that entire season. You know, when they got to the semi final yeah. and lost Spurs, yeah. it was a whole thing about that. And you actually watch it back and you look at it and you say, well, actually, they, they did. They beat Real Madrid. I remember watching the game and yeah. they were just scoring for fun in that second leg. They, they, beat, they beat Spurs away and then lost to them at home, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I, I think that to so the game I watched earlier, they could go on a very similar run where they basically get into, you know, quarter, the minute you get to the quarterfinal you, and you have a good game, you're in the semi-final. You, and yeah, I think Ajax are always going to be a dark horse in that competition, yeah, they, aren't they? they? They went away to Dortmund and absolutely smashed them. Uh, and they beat them at home as well. Yeah, beat yeah. them at home as well. I mean, what I liked about the game today was they were 1-0 down against Besiktas. And at half time, he made a couple of changes. He he slightly adjusted the formation, yeah. and and they absolutely, you know, like they came away with a win. I mean, it's it's yeah. um, it's it's as a United fan, not seeing subs before like the seventieth minute, or, or I know I spoke about the Europa League final, but that for the hundred and tenth minute, you know, see, not seeing yeah, subs yeah. happen, or or not but having actually, a manager that's not afraid to make changes early when you can see things aren't working is what yeah. I loved is, is great and you can see that he's he's not he's not afraid to make those changes. I didn't realise this Haller came on at half time. Yeah. So he because came I mean, on and scored both he, goals. He came on he, they made a slight change to the formation the way they, they lined up. But, but and, then, and they yeah they made really sensible changes. So you are you're completely right here because the changes that he made in the second half were defensive changes. So Blind came on for Tagliafico, um, Timber came on for Masraoui and Wrench came on for Scherz. And I think the, the key thing about those is that they're all changes where basically they scored their goal and then about six minutes later, these subs happened, or like three minutes and then six minutes because they, they sort of staggered it. And Blind is one of those players, actually, that Tagliafico is a very attacking left-back. Um, I think he's a fantastic player. I have done since that yeah. season. Yeah. Um, and always wanted him to come to the Premier League. Cause it's, it's, uh, Ryan Gravenberch is the... Oh, he's the young boy, isn't he? He's like yeah, 17. He's a, yeah, it's meant to be so <laughs> The commentator on BT Sport. I, I I imagine this is exactly how he's supposed to say his name, um, sort of, you know, in Holland. But he was like, Grachenbach. And I was like, mate, why are you, why are you trying so much? Although it's like you the other week with Joao Cancelo. Joao. Anyway. Joao Cancelo. Yeah, it's, it's Joao. <laughs> Let's anyway. Anyway. Um, then, so other results from tonight. Leipzig smashed. Club Bruges. Um, AC Milan got a winner away at Atletico, which I think is a great result. Yeah. Dortmund lost 3-1 to Sporting away. Yeah. Liverpool beat Porto 2-0, which was always going to happen. 
um, which was Thiago and Salah that scored that. Which Thiago you know, scored a he scored a rocket. Thiago did he really? Yeah. I love a look because oh, yeah, yeah. he his goals are normally fantastic. It's like and one the, of those ones that sort of skims off the ground, like you know, not oh, just off the ground. They just yeah, and just went like Gerard in the FA Cup final. Exactly like that. Yeah, yeah, I like them. Smashed it. And then the big game of the night, Pep Magic City beat PSG two one. Mbappe yeah. with a really good goal that Messi kind of yeah. created and it, it, one of those it forces his way through the box and then yeah. Mbappe just gets his foot on it Edison should have done better in that because he, he basically just opened his legs and all went yeah, through, went through his legs, yeah. but then Sterling got a goal that was set up by so okay so Jesus was not playing City did not have a recognised striker on the pitch no. and then uh, Pep made the change in the 54th minute just yeah. after that Mbappe goal which was a masterstroke so 63rd minute Sterling scores. Gabriel Jesus sets it up a bit luckily, if I'm honest, but he got the touch. Mara's crossed it in, didn't he? Or was that that was the second one? Yeah. um, Jesus basically got his body onto it and it pushed it in. I mean, it wasn't, I don't think it was intentional. Um, And then Gabriel Jesus got the the winner. So it's one for one with those two now, but it does mean that they're both through. So we will see Man City and PSG lose in the knockout stages. Who Um, is is one team? Top, the, yeah. So the top. win means that Man City are twelve points and PSG are eight points. So Man City definitely ah. go through as the seeded team, okay. um, and PSG go through second. So both of us could so, end yeah, up we playing. Could, we could draw them. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't. I'm. I'm personally not worried about that. I think. Um, I think we've got a decent enough team to sort of you know, rock with that. But yeah. um, who knows what happened with your lot? So well, yeah. We we either we we tend to beat them away and they beat us at our place. Yeah. But, yeah. That's yeah, just how things know. go sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So that takes us up to um, the next set of fixtures this weekend. There's a big game on Sunday, the, the last game of the weekend we'll get to in a second. And then we start after this weekend, and I think probably before the next podcast, we get into the, the nice December midweek games that we all love so much. Um, so next weekend, let's very quickly go through them. Give me your result and with scores, obviously. Okay. Just just off the cuff, very quickly. Yeah. Arsenal versus Newcastle, the Emirates. Uh, Arsenal 2 0. Crystal Palace, Aston Villa at Selhurst Park. 2 1 Palace. Liverpool, Southampton at Anfield. Oh, Liverpool 3 1. Liverpool 3 1, nice. Norwich, Wolves at Carrow Road. Norwich Wolves uh, with I'm Dean go Smith's with... new regime. I'm going to go one all draw. Brighton Leeds in the evening fixture at the Amex. Uh, that's going to be a two all. Two all. Your st- is your is your bum hurting with all those uh, sitting, sitting the, on the fence? The fence? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just, I'm just, I think it's going to be a draw. I, th- I think both I, teams can score, both teams can't really defend. So, yeah. I think it'll be something like a 4 3. I think that'll be a really good one Ooh, okay. on a Saturday night. Um, Brentford, Everton at the Brentford Community Stadium. 2 uh, 1 Brentford. Burnley Spurs at Turf Moor. Uh, Spurs 2 0. Leicester Watford at the King Power. Um, oh. Oh, that's a tough one. Um, Leicester 2-1. City West Ham at the Etihad. Oh, 
Although West Ham lost their last game, didn't they? So I'm going to go City 3-1. And then the little, the little game. Chelsea United at Stamford Bridge. I, take, I, I text you, I, mess, I, I was talking to you earlier in the week, I said that if you lot don't, because how bad we were against Watford, if you lot don't stick four past us, you'd be rubbish. Uh, <laughs> but there might be a little bit of confidence. We might be a little bit more so. I mean, we haven't got Maguire, which is you know probably a good thing. Um, I reckon you you will probably win and it'll be 3-1. 3-1 you lot, which makes me sick to say. I think one all. You reckon? You reckon? I've, I've seen Manchester United come to Stamford Bridge live. I've been there twice and, and both times you've beaten us with stupid. I mean, yeah, this, this is the kicker. We've come into those games on a bit of form. We we're not coming into these games. We're not coming into this game on, on the back of like, like great no, form you've, or you've got Ronaldo. But it it's, doesn't matter. He's an he's anomaly. Yeah. He, yeah. he, he, uh, that better not be... So I've just seen a picture of Anthony yeah. Taylor... And if he's the ref, you've won. He's <laughs> honestly, the ref mate. Is, getting your excuses in already. It's as simple. No, honestly, it's as simple as that. Like Anthony Taylor coming to Stamford Bridge is just the worst thing ever. I think it. Oh. I hate Anthony Taylor. You don't speak too highly of you either, to be fair. But no, mate, uh, he loves me. Yeah. Um, to be fair, I've <laughs> I've said a lot worse to him from about two hundred yards away. <laughs> Um, I, I genuinely he, he's an awful referee when it comes to Chelsea it just doesn't I'm not saying he's biased I'm just saying it doesn't seem to go well for us ever I think it's, I, I reckon it's 2-1 you lot um, I genuinely do I think what we'll have to do mate is catch up on probably Sunday of this week um, or, or yep. Monday because we've got Tuesday and Wednesday fixtures. Um, I will be at Vicarage Road to watch Watford Chelsea next uh, next Wednesday. So if we try and get in the Monday, then we can at least talk about those fixtures coming up then and recap mm-hmm. how badly you got your uh, <laughs> predictions. I'll add my predictions on screen as well, just so we've yeah. got everyone sort of accounted for. Um, I don't see that no, being no, much. I, wrong I, with I what openly you said. admit to be. I openly admit to being terrible at score predictions. If I was, oh, if I was. If I was good at it, I'd be doing accumulators every weekend. But yeah, <laughs> mate, I <laughs> do. It. That's why I'm poor. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, cool. So Chelsea played Juventus last night, right? Yeah. The game was fantastic. I think we hunted them down in packs. We didn't let them have time on the ball. We pushed them. We pressed them. At all times, it felt like we were in control. Even when we didn't have the ball, it felt like we were in control. Now, there's one player in particular I want to talk about today, which is Jorginho. So, Jorginho is a player that I don't think gets the recognition that he deserves by any stretch of the imagination. The Jorginho that was sort of in the voting for World Player of the Year doesn't get recognition. Okay, so I don't think he gets recognition. I don't think he gets recognition from fans. I think that's Ah, the problem. So, I think... I think Chelsea fans, and he didn't get he didn't get recognition from Chelsea fans for a year and a half, um, probably probably two years. It's probably the last was he, six was months. He, a, he was a sorry buy, was he? Or so yeah, Sari brought him in from, with him right. from Napoli, 
Um, he came into the team and he instantly got given the vice captaincy, which in hindsight was a fantastic move because he's a, he's a great leader. Um, but also he's sort of grown into the, the team that we've got. The reason I want to talk about him today is because on Twitter there is, which is never a great place to start, by the way, ever. No. On Twitter, there was uh, a new thing where it basically is called Twitter Spaces, um, and you can start a conversation, you host it, and then people can join it and they can request a talk and all this sort of stuff, right? It's quite a nice way to sort of get a bit of a community interaction. Hopefully one day we'll be able to do that with the community that we build. Um, now, I was there was something on there that was basically, tell us your worst football opinions. And someone said, Jorginho is one of the worst football players to ever play in the Premier League. And this is what got my back up about it. He then said, he's rubbish. He missed three penalties or two penalties for Italy. He's lost. He's, he's missed three penalties this year. Um, and he doesn't score goals other than penalties. So he's rubbish. Now, firstly, uh, just to get your opinion on this, because I hope that we're on the same wavelength at least. If not, I'm going to shout at you. <laughs> not every so you've got 11 players on the pitch and it's not all of their jobs to score a goal no no I, I yeah agree with that yeah you know, you're asking someone who's sat through like uh, a couple of years of, of yeah McTominay and Fred playing every single game and not really massively contributing uh, with goals and you know McTominay scored a few goals he scored a lob against City he scored a uh, Long Ranger against, against uh, Leeds. Oh, uh, I think wasn't it? Uh, against Leeds, he scored. He scored. A, I think he scored two, not really early against Leeds. But anyway, yeah, um, anyway. that's not what we're talking about. Um, so, what I will say straight off the bat is: is Kante, uh, Kovacic, uh, Jorginho would all walk into the United midfield, oh. like in, into that double pivot. There's not even Most not teams, even a debate. Yeah, well, yeah, I think Kante, Kante walks into every team in the world. Kante walks into every single team in the world. Kovacic probably gets into 95% of them in, in Europe. I don't, he's he's, no, he's no. your weakest centre midfielder. No, 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 no. Oh, in my opinion. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So, mate, you've, you've got to watch him live. This, this is the thing that people, I think people don't get. When you don't watch live football often, and I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not ragging on you for that because you've got yeah. a few kids and you've got a wife that you have to keep happy and, you know, don't achieve that. But you try your best, mate. Um, but, you know, people, when you get to football and you watch it, Kovacic is one of those players where he gets the ball and there's three people around him and he'll wriggle out of it and he'll get us going. And I think that's the thing that people that. don't understand about him. No, he I, he I would that. walk into the United team. He'd walk into the Arsenal team, the Spurs team, everything. He's yeah, not no, who no, we're no. talking about. Listen, he, no, no. I, I said, I said, I said that. That's true. I just said if if you were, I didn't say this, but if you were to offer me two of Chelsea's three centre midfielders, he would be the one that I wouldn't choose. I would choose Jorginho and Kante every and, single day of the week, and that's fair. Um, so yeah. the Jorginho thing, but that's to not, me, so. not to say he's bad. I just don't think you might not walk into ninety-five percent of teams. That's a. I think so. One hundred percent. Uh, well, 95%, but 100% of the 95%. <laughs> um, so, Jorginho, the, the guy on this thing, right, he's, he said he, he's not good, he doesn't score enough, he doesn't score goals other than penalties, which, frankly, is not his job. Um, and he's missed three penalties, which is like, okay, well, he scored the other 50. So I don't think we can really have a go about that. Um, and then... So he's, so he's Penandez Mark II, is, what, is that what this guy was trying to say? 
Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> for me, it's, for me, that's very different because Fernandez is an attacking midfielder. Yeah, and this is how I described Jorginho and watching him last night again. He's a quarterback. If you look at it yeah. in NFL terms, yeah. yeah. When I'm talking about you, you've got the five at the back for Chelsea. Reese James and Chilwell went forward, and then you're left with Rudiger, Chalaber, and Thiago Silva. Jorginho is actually behind them most of the time because Rudiger's playing forward because he, he he can play out very easily. Uh, Thiago Silva's like they're solid at the back. He he makes touches sometimes where he just the ball will come over and every other defender would head it out and he chests it down and plays it out. It's brilliant. Chilova is solid, and I mean this genuinely. He's one of the best young players in, in a defensive position that I've seen for a long time. And I think it's because he's got two. He's got one world class defender next to him, and one player who has been playing world class but isn't necessarily that yeah. good. Which is Thiago's the world class one. Rudiger has been playing world class for six months, and people need to stop praising him too much because it's gonna all blow up in our faces. But Jorginho yeah, for me, leave you at the end of the season. Right? Exactly, mate. But Jorginho for me is just. You need a player who dictates play. And oh yeah. He's he's your archetypal football manager, deep line playmaker. Right? Oh yeah. You play you play those formations. He he's the one that just sort of sits there in front of the defense and just uh, I'm not he's not a he's not a metronome sort of a, a Modric Cruz. I don't think he's metronome, is it? No. That's a that's um, a but but he's is he's, that not he, a world of Warcraft word? No, no, a metronome is one of those things that goes side to side um but right. he just keeps the game ticking over but he plays well i mean i've got nothing against georgina i think he's a great player and he um you know he wouldn't play in he wouldn't you know be a, a regular in the italian side if he um if he wasn't a great player you know they've, they've got other people that play that position sandra tonali i'm thinking of as as, as my example um, oh locatelli plays it as well there's, there's a lot yeah there's, there's a so, few of them and this is what the other. It's, it's this is right what right. this. This is what the guy said. This is again what got me. He shouldn't be in the conversation for Ballon d'Or. No, I mean, so now him, him and Kante both should. I mean, to be fair, I think more Jorginho than Kante. That's not to yep. say I think I think Kante's a better player, but yeah, you, you don't play for the European champions and the champions uh, the club of Europe. level <laughs> and the champions of Europe in your national side and, yeah. and not be. In that conversation, you know, but, he, he has but to this be is in that the thing. He is one of the main reasons why both of those teams won it, because so Saul came on last night, and the minute he came on, I sat next to a chap, and I literally looked at him, and we looked, we looked each other in the eye, and I went, "Well, I've never seen Chelsea come like a team come back from three 0 down against Chelsea, but it's nice to see it tonight now, because the minute he came on, we played well as a team, and that solid five at the back looked good, but." Whereas before, Georgina was picking up that ball with acres of space, acres of space, and then playing it where he needed to go, whether it was forwards or backwards. It was rarely sideways. It was either play it back so you can play it yeah. round or play it forward yeah. and now something will happen. Saul just did not make it happen. And I think this is the thing. He's the reason. He, he's over 50% of the reason why we won that, that tournament and why Italy won the tournament, because he controls it. And yeah, oh, yeah he's, a, I say, he's, he's a great player, you know. And, and I forgot, I forgot you had Saul on, on loan. Um, but the die until before, we come on before, yeah, before before you lot uh, took him, 
he, he was um, touted to United, he, wasn't he? He was, he was touted to United a lot. He was linked with, linked with us a, a lot. And, and a lot of people would be like, yeah, we, we'd love to get him in. To be fair, we'd love to get anyone that plays centre midfield to mm. a half decent level with. But um, he's better than what yeah, you've got. And he, he, yeah, he fell out. He fell out with the board and that, uh, uh, and the coaching staff at Atletico, didn't he? And that's why they sort of let, let him go. I was, I was, and I, 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 I don't really know what what happened, but I know that it was one of those where I don't, I, I think it came up and he it got, was like he, he's a, he wasn't in, he wasn't in the Spain squad either, was he for the Euros? So. Well, I think basically what happened is he came up and it was like, well, he's too good to miss out on, but. He, if you if you think about it, if Georgina gets injured, that rotation, st- and I think that's yeah, what we do yeah. so good at the moment that we'll talk about in another podcast. They want to go on about Chelsea all the time, but um, I think what we do really well at the moment is we rotate our players. And if we don't have a Georgina or a Kovacic or a Kante, you lose that rotation, and and the fact that we press so hard and just you'd never be able to do it. So the, the reason I wanted to talk about him for ten minutes is basically. I think Gino is an absolutely world-class player. I think he's the reason, mostly, why those teams are able to go on and win that tournament because he was a very solid base for them. Um, and I think he needs to get a bit more recognition. It took him, I mean, I know this might sound like, sound like a huge thing, but it is for Chelsea. It took him like a year and a half to get a song with the fans. And, yeah. and play, I mean, Timo Werner still gets his name sung. He scored last night, but out of the whole time that he was playing badly, he still had his name sung. So... Yeah. I think it's a think huge it's, thing for Chelsea. It's all about like sort of getting that that respect or acknowledgement, appreciation, whatever you want from from fans, uh, particularly fans from other clubs like non non Chelsea fans. Yeah, it's 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 probably because he's just not a, a fashionable player. Yeah. Do you know what I mean by that? I don't mean that he's not he's not great. He is a great player, but he goes. He's Italian, almost, so obviously he goes, he's got he good goes, fashion. Well, yeah, he goes un, under the radar. He's one of them unsung heroes that that, that yeah. obviously pulls the strings for your team, and um, and yeah, he probably doesn't get it. I, you know, if you compare like the plaudits Declan Rice gets compared yeah. to him, or for someone that sits in front of the fence. Now, whether that's an English media bias or, or, or match of the day, and the, mm. all the English pundits on that will pick up on Bye those. It, I think it, it could well be. Um, but you know, you know, Declan Rice is going to cost you 100 million to try and get him out of, out of West Ham. Whereas Jorginho, you got him. You don't. You in theory, you don't need him. I know uh, he's best friends with Mason Mount Rice, and he's. I think he was a Chelsea. Oh, player. Rice, no, not, right. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. I thought you meant Jorginho yeah, so, for a second. I was like, don't take no, no, Jorginho no. away. Like he's no, no, no. You're not gonna. You're not gonna replace him, are you? Anytime soon, unless he sort of comes out and says, "I want to go back to Whitley or something like that," which I don't see happening. I, you don't. You don't need well, to replace Declan him. Rice. Is ex Chelsea as well? Remember. He was he was Chelsea youth. Yeah, well, so, I mean, yeah, he, he's yeah, yeah. best friends with Mason Mount, and he, I think he was a Chelsea fan. And well, yeah, regardless, yeah. To, to going on the the Jorginho thing, he yeah, he's. I don't I don't mean to be disrespectful when I say he's not a fashionable player. No, it, it's true. He's, he's he, yeah. You, you think of Chelsea, and you probably don't. If you if you said to someone uh, name five players from Chelsea, chances are he might not be one of those five. You know, if someone you know isn't massively in the football or doesn't watch the Premiership, well, oh, then do you know what I mean? name 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 fine players at Chelsea. I can't. Kepa, you can't shut up. <laughs> you on Kepa, shut up. Anyway, so I just wanted to basically put it out into the 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 uh, the stratosphere that Trujillo is a great player. I think the the key problem that people have is that again, it's exactly you've, you've hit the nail on the head. He's not fashionable. He's not the player that kids want on. He's the player that adults want on their jersey because I've seen yeah. it at Stamford Bridge. But yeah. he's not the player that kids want. They want Mount. They want 
Rudiger, yeah. and that's because they're yeah. big characters, either big characters or Mason Lukaku, Mount is quite a funny yeah, guy. Know, guy you, so. want, you want those or Havertz, yeah, you want you want them sort of uh, more. I'm loath to say more well-known players, just people that that do the more spectacular things in games. Whereas mm-hmm. he just pulls the strings from the background. He's probably he seems quite happy to sit in the background and not take all all the plaudits or, or you know that sort oh, of definitely. thing. And and yeah, yeah. I'm, I think I see your point when you say he, he probably doesn't get acknowledged as as much as he should from from fans and rival fans. And I think there's you know definitely sort of like I said the the British media probably don't don't, don't help that at all. sing no, his praises as much as they do other people. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I, I I think he's a great player. I think you're lucky to have him. And and I hate mm. Chelsea. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> I hate Chelsea. I hate I'm you. Sick. You're a scumbag. I'm sick. I'm sick of talking about you. Lot. <laughs> Mate, we haven't. We've spoken about United so much in the last. I, know. Last few weeks. I really wish we. I really wish we hadn't. That's the thing. Yeah. If we weren't so, talking about us, we'd know we'd be doing all right. Yeah. Oh, exactly. So <laughs> yeah. obviously, and, and now we have to talk about United for a second, and and then. We'll, we'll be able to move on very, very swiftly. Yeah. Um, Saturday at 3 p.m., the game started in Manchester. Saturday at 3, 10 p.m., but yeah, it, it was basically madness at Vicarage Road, hey, wasn't hey, it? Yeah, I was going to say, uh, yeah, we weren't playing, we were at Watford, we weren't at home. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, okay, so. In the sixth minute. Yeah, what'd you... Wait, Ben, so. Yeah. 3 p.m. on Saturday, mm-hmm. the game kicks off at Vicarage Road. Yeah. 3.10 p.m., two penalties have been taken, two penalties have been missed, and Watford are still all over Manchester United. Yeah. What I want to discuss with you now is my hatred of penalties. I think okay. penalties inherently are unfair. Probably 90% <laughs> of penalties are unfair. You're... Um... You know, you're talking to a fan of, of of England. I've been through enough penalty shootouts to know that I but hate penalties as well. The penalty I mean, shootouts are not the problem. Here's my problem. Okay, go on. Here's the issue I've got. If you're on the goal line, which for those who don't read the laws of the game like I do, because I'm a nerd and a ref, from corner flag to corner flag is the goal line, right? Yeah. If you're on the go- if you're on the goal line in the corner of the penalty box and you foul someone, that person then gets an 80% chance of scoring, which is what penalties are, 80% chance of scoring, right? Right, How is that fair? Because of of a defined box that's there. You know, it's the the rules, the codified rules, you know, if... if, Rules change all the time. Yeah, yeah, changes can be made to rules, but... Uh, if if it's in the rules, both teams know that that's that's the area you can't commit fouls in in that area. Then you know if if you know in the event right. penalty is given against you, that uh, it's nobody else's fault other than your own. This is okay, but this is the problem. It, yes, you can say oh the rules there, so you know you shouldn't do it. But I will, I can almost guarantee you that the majority, a large majority of fouls are accidental. No one yeah. goes into the penalty box to foul a player, right? So what you're saying is that because of an, uh, a badly timed tackle or a good piece of skill by an opponent or a, a, a 
cross that hits your arm in the wrong way nowadays, because of something like that, you're then penalised to the extent that you have an 80% chance of having a goal scored against you. And I just think that is so unfair. And the thing is that really winds up about it is people look for it nowadays as well. And then also, because you've got that rule that says if that does happen, that is a penalty, there's more of a kind of uh, scrutinization on any foul, any contact in the penalty box. Yeah. yeah no. So we're changing up the what if a little bit. We're trying to do two different subjects now rather than just to go into a what if. But this is one of the things that I do think what if. What if a penalty happened if it was only an obvious goal scoring opportunity that you've denied? So, so does the red card come along with that? So, I don't think I don't think it does. So, you have the penalty or the red card, or you no, I don't think you should choose because no, I don't think you should choose as a uh, sorry, for a second I thought you were <laughs> suggesting that you go to the captain of the team and go, do you want them to be sent off or do you want a penalty? <laughs> it's like, yeah, screw up the next three games with that guy. No, no, I think that you basically, so say for example at the weekend, right, I do think the penalty at the weekend was correct. It was given yeah. and yeah. it did deny an obvious goal-scoring opportunity because if he doesn't have McTominay on his back, uh, yeah. who went down for it? Was it Dennis that went down for the penalty or was it Sarr? I think it was, yeah. Yeah, it was I, one of the strikers anyway. Um too he busy throwing stuff around the room at the time. <laughs> I was going like this. <laughs> <laughs> if he doesn't if he doesn't have McTominay like, on his back, then he scores, he probably scores a goal, or at least he has a save yeah. or a shot on target. I think it should def- I just think it should be if there's an obvious goal scoring opportunity involved. Like if you get fouled and you're on the edge of the box, just inside the box, and you've got 15 players in the box because it's a it's a corner. And there was no chance you could get through. I mean, there's a chance, but not an obvious chance you can score that goal. Give it as a free kick, you know, or, or and make sure, and then make the goal, and then make sure that every free kick has to be outside the box. I, I just, I, I, I can see where you're coming from. I just think that you know, if you're the sort of player that that goes to the ground quickly or, or, or wants to put in slide tackles left, right and centre, you know, you, you if you go to ground in, in the penalty box, you run that risk. And that's, that's you know, up to the ref's interpretation. Um, I think also if you're, uh, and in fact, talking about United, the, the second Watford goal uh, where uh, Lindelof basically was so concerned about not keeping his air, arms out he put his arms yeah. behind his back to uh, to not give away a penalty he didn't get close to uh no. currently who was a scored uh it's made Sar who smashed it in the bottom corner you know it was you know but that so kind of I, proves my point people so if he makes that ta- so, so in my world in in dean's perfect world um lindelof goes in for that tackle he missed, and you know, at that point, let's say, for example, that it was definitely a not, it definitely wasn't an obvious goal scoring opportunity. He goes in for the tackle. He does take out the striker. In my ideal world, what happens there? If it's not an obvious goal scoring opportunity, you take where the ball was was at that point. You take it to the edge of the penalty area, and it's a free kick. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I see what you mean, but I, I, I just think if you're if you if you do that, then defenders have got an incentive to just take people out. As long as there's two or three defenders or two or three people back, 
anyone gets near the 18 yard box or gets in it with the ball, you just run into them, steamroll them over, take them out. It's not but a dog's is... opportunity because there's people there. It's, it's this is what I mean to me, but, but this is yeah. the thing, Ben. If it's not an obvious goal scoring opportunity, you as an attacking team, surely, given the amount of incredible free kick takers now, you would rather have a free kick on the edge of the box where you've got to get past a wall and maybe a guy on the line, as opposed to having to get past those two or three players that you're saying are sat there that are the blocker between the guy who's taken you out. I don't know. I, I think you fancy your chances. You're, you're that close. You're inside the box. You've got a chance to shoot. You, you know, strikers are inherently greedy. They're going to take a shot. I just think that if you're if you're you know going with what you're suggesting, it, it basically as long as there are two or three people back, it just gives the defenders the advantage of being able to just steamroll through people and, and take them out. And it, it's and then, not considered an obvious goal scoring opportunity. And they give away a free kick, which they which you know. Is as likely of them, which is as likely of them to score. It's as likely of them to score as it is if you're if you've got three players in front of you or two players in front of you. You know, there are there are enough stupid rules in the law book, right? If you score, if you score an own goal directly from kickoff, it's a corner kick. If you if score you, an own goal from kickoff, if you take the kickoff, corner kick. Yeah. No other player touches it. And the person yeah. who takes the kickoff puts it into the net. It's a corner to the attacking team. I did not know that. I don't believe that's true. Sure. That's a hundred percent true because right. no other player in, in has the comments. It. In the comments, I want you to or on the video. I want you to put the link in so I can have a look where it is. Yeah. Uh, when you upload this, if you take a throw in, and no yeah. other player touches that ball and it goes into the net, it's a corner kick. You know that's true because it happened. Remember with. Um, Olaf, uh, Olaf Melberg and Enkelman, where Olaf Melberg threw it and Enkelman just touched it with his foot, apparently, and it went in. It was yeah. only it only was a goal because it had touched his foot. You can't score directly from a throw in, either as an attacker or a defender. Uh, yeah, again, another rule. Put put a link in. I want to read but this. Is what I mean, they are stupid rules everywhere, everywhere, mate. The, yeah, so and rules can be changed. Don't, you know, I get that. Do you remember last year I mean, at the beginning? Go on. This is why I said about the Watford one at the weekend. Saar takes the penalty. Yeah. Someone's following up. Was it cleverly? I can't remember who it was. Someone followed in. Yeah. And he was encroached into the box. Because he encroached before the penalty was taken, and then he scored, at that point, the law is the penalty is retaken. Yeah. Why? Yeah, and I, I agree with you. In in the event that that a player from the attacking team or the team taking the penalty does encroach into the box, the the rule shouldn't be that you get to retake the penalty. It should be an indirect free uh, kick, indirect free defending kick team. Uh, to defend team. However, I think in the Watford game, um, although it's not really obvious, I think uh, Wamba Saka had also encroached on the other other side of the goal, the other side of the area. Uh, if you see the picture of when it's taken, uh, yeah, so everyone saying... looks, at, looks at the Watford player. I, I do think that uh, uh, it was a United player. I think it was Wan Bissaka they mentioned also was inside the box. So there was, in... so it wasn't. Just... I'm pretty I mean, sure that obvious, only. But... So I'm pretty sure that only comes into effect. And this is where the laws of the game are like, you know, shit. I think that only comes into effect if Wan Bissaka were to have cleared the ball after that happened. Yeah. So I think that I, I think case, that rules yeah. that out. 
the the fact that cleverly whoever it was got there first yeah. and scored i don't think means you get another chance to score the penalty because you've done something wrong regardless of that particular part was it josh it might be josh king yeah anyway i can't remember mate i honestly yeah. can't remember who it was i was it was such a wild game um but this this i think is is my my problem with it is that to me, penalties are just an unfair system because you can have no obvious goal-scoring opportunity and within a second of you having quick feet, and that is all it is a lot of the time, or you know, getting the right side of a defender, you end up with an, an 80% chance of scoring. I yeah. just think it's unfair. Uh, yeah, I think, I think that's it. I, I, you, you, if you foul someone in the box... Or, or you you make an attempt to win the ball, be it clumsily or or intentionally, and you miss the ball and you take the player out, you make contact with their feet or whatever it is, you take them out. It's a penalty. It's it's a it's a free yeah, kick anywhere else on the pitch. It's you know it's right. But this is what I mean. It's a free kick anywhere else on the pitch taken from the point that the ball that that the foul was made. So so maybe what if the foul is made? And you get a free shot from that particular spot rather than the penalty spot. So a direct so free out kick. From the... so not a free shot, but a direct free kick. Well, no, no one else could be in the box. So it's just you and the keeper. It's like a penalty from somewhere in the 18-yard box where like the person that. is taken out. I like that. I actually do like <laughs> I actually do quite like it. We need to petition the FA tell them that's what that's the because that's the imagine way. for this and this is the, I think that situation. You'd need, you know, like in snooker where they they tell you exactly where the ball was. If it, it yeah, it's not. Yeah. I think you'd have to do that because otherwise, I mean, you see players will steal a yard. Reese yeah. James, by the yeah. way, is the best at it. I watched him last <laughs> night do some absolutely, and he does it with a straight face. Like I, I love the guy so much because a he's a young English right back with really good talent. Also plays for Chelsea. He's just incredible for that. But every single time anything happens, the ball will be going toward... Like it's a free kick. He'll yeah. go to the ball. He'll just knock it. He'll stop yeah. the team from having any type of rhythm within that, that free kick. But I, I actually quite like your idea because actually then, I, I think if it's, in the, if it's within the six-yard box, I think you have to expand that box to where the penalty area is, uh, to where the penalty spot is. Yeah. I think it, but I, I think I like that idea. I mean- it's, it's the six-yard box needed. I mean, yeah, they take people take goal kicks from it, but now most teams just play it out to the sides. Oh yeah. If if a, if a goalkeeper can can pick up the ball with both hands and can literally walk around the whole of the eighteen-yard box, well, what's the point in the six-yard box other than for like goal kicks? Think, you might as well just let them play it from wherever. I was going to say, do you think that a goal? I, I actually just think about it. Imagine there are no goal kicks anymore, but rather the ball is just given to the goalkeeper. And the goalkeeper gets play going again from there. And the same rule applies. The six the six second rule that doesn't exist, that does exist, but doesn't get taken into account. Yeah. The goalkeeper can't no handle more than six seconds. I think if you had if you actually put that up to 10 seconds for that, that would be a much easier way of doing a a, a goal kick. Because then yeah. I think it makes the game faster. And I think the problem is that you have so many rules that um are essentially like <laughs> They're always trying to be fixed. You know, everything should be fixed all the time. Handball rules, shit. VAR's rubbish. What about this foul? What about that? What's a red they card? Should, What's uh, not a red card? They should bring back the the one on ones with the keeper for, in the MLS. Oh, these, the MLS ones. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Kansas. It's Rail right, Salt Lake. I think I saw against LA Galaxy. Did it? Yeah, I don't think that's right. I think you're mad for saying it, but 
Um, <laughs> well, yeah, the penalty shootouts it'd be much more interesting, wouldn't it? It's much more. It's a it's a lot more skill involved yeah. on both parts, yeah. in my opinion. It's, it's, yeah, because anyway. keeper can come off his line, can come out anyway. Yeah. Anyway, we've I, talked about penalties for too long. I, I no, that, that was that was. I, I've had that in my brain for so long. I've said it a little bit to some people. I've said it to you before. I've said it to other people before. But honestly, I just think, particularly that one rule that you've got about it, you know, the way that it was retaken at the weekend, it just is not, it's not a fair system. Um, and they they bring in VAR to, to basically save money for, for clubs so that wrong decisions aren't made and so that they don't have, you know, if someone could stay in the Premier League or couldn't stay in the Premier League, they basically have VAR in place so that they don't lose £100 million a year or whatever it is. This is a similar situation. An unfair system is allowing people to basically earn more money. So, yeah, I don't think it's particularly the, the best thing. Um, so let's tell everyone who our MVP of the week is and then tell everyone who our red card of the week is. I'll let you start. MVP? So this was quite a, quite a tough one. There was There was a... A number of people I thought that uh, stood out this week, whether it was uh, at the weekend or in the Champions League games. Um, so I thought, firstly, I thought Rhys James, who I think is, you know, not wanting to spend too much time talking about Chelsea because I'm sick of you lot. Um, <laughs> I think he's, isn't he your top scorer now? He's, he's scoring goals for fun. Yeah, he's playing he's... so well. Uh, right back, he's, him and Trent are, he's, are he's the best kind right of goal. Going. Yeah, he's, he's just. I mean, the goals he's scoring, whether it was against Leicester or, or against Newcastle, Newcastle. He's, yeah, Newcastle, yeah, he's he's playing so well. Um, so that, so that I, goal I, that he scored last night, he scored that goal three times now, yeah, and almost yeah. scored another one in the first half. Yeah, I, I think yeah. I think the advantage he has over over Trent is is that he is a, a much better defender. And it's, it sounds blatantly obvious to say it, but he's 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 very good going forward. He scores goals and he defends really well. Uh, certainly, you know, Trent Trent goes forward really well, provides lots of assists yeah, and stuff. Does, yeah. But I'd say his defending isn't isn't as close. Anyway, he wasn't my choice. Uh, right. I said earlier Maxwell Corne was was another one that I really thought was was really good. Yeah. Um, we've already spoken about Ten Hag and, and I was thinking, do I give it to the whole Ajax team because they've been superb. Nice. But but a particular person, Robert Lewandowski is my MVP. He scored oh, goal. an unbelievable <laughs> bicycle kick yesterday. You know, he's um he's the only the he's the first player to score nine in nine consecutive Champions League games twice. So yeah. Ronaldo and Van Nistelrooy have done it once. Yeah. He's done it twice. He is um he's he's put by an eight points clear of Barca at the top of their group. They yeah. have they are playing in the last game the Champions League. So if Bayern do their do their job and beat Barca and Benfica beat Dynamo Kiev at home, uh, Benfica at home, Barca are in the Europa League. Um, um, let it make it happen. Yeah, exactly. But do you know what? There's he's the best number nine in the world. I mean, I think it's the an out and out striker. There's possibly Kane in that conversation. I mean, that's I'll, about it. Maybe Lukaku, but I. Um, I think the difference is, is Lewandowski didn't down tools at Borussia Dortmund and Borussia Dortmund who in yeah. my opinion are on the same level as Spurs let Lewandowski go um, 
I know why he scored the overhead kick rather than playing it on the ground. It's because it was snowing at the time. They probably couldn't get the ball on the floor. <laughs> well, this is it. But uh, honestly, he is. He scored for the ninth successive game. Um, he is, uh, without question, my MVP this week. Not just about he scored goals. Just setting yeah. that record of being the first person to score in nine consecutive games twice. Yeah. Um, he is. He just gets better and better. I mean, unbelievable player. And interestingly, have you heard the... Um... I say interestingly, everyone who's listening or watching at this moment in time just went, not that interesting, mate. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of issues with the Bayern team, the, the Munich team at the moment because yeah. of COVID and a lot of their players are unvaccinated. And basically in Bavaria, it's a law where you don't have to play, you don't have to pay your employees if they're unable to work because That's they're right. unvaccinated. Yeah. And um the countries that they're going into the different parts of Germany that they're going into players like Joshua Kimmich yeah missed a game um yeah. because he wasn't vaccinated yeah. so yeah. for, for Just, all that to be happening and Lewandowski to to be still playing and, and keeping them yeah. in the, yeah. the tournament I think and, well deserved yeah not not only has he scored in nine consecutive games he scored 14 in his last nine consecutive games so it's not like yeah, he's scoring one a game he's He's smashing goals in left, right, and centre. At 33 years old, I'd take him every day of the week. Uh, yeah. United, every day of the week. He is so, so good. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm, you, you know, I'm going to Munich in uh, January. I'm, I've, got oh, tickets to, I've got tickets to buy Munich, Borussia Mönchengladbach. Well, are you um, going? A couple of mates. <laughs> well, yeah, as long as there's no... Uh, as long as no lockdown. lockdown. <laughs> yeah. um, and I genuinely cannot wait to, to go to the Allianz and watch that. Oh, it's going to be great. I'd, I would love to go yeah, to that stadium as well. I think that stadium is going to be pucker. I went to the, um, uh, what's it called? The Metropolitano, Wanda Metropolitano, yeah. um, uh, last February, just before lockdowns happened. And that's a beautiful stadium. Um, yeah. But I think, yeah, Allianz Arena is probably on a, a par with yeah. something like Spurs' stadium and that sort of stuff. Um, so that was my that was my uh, MVP. MVP. Who, who's yours? Mine is Reese James um, because <laughs> I don't think oh, I've had a Chelsea. Know. I don't think I've had a Chelsea player yet. Hang, um, hang on. Yes, you have. You've had Conor Gallagher. You've had uh, Steve <laughs> Steve Clark, and now you've got Reese James. What a surprise! You've picked a Chelsea. Someone with a Chelsea connection. Someone with a Chelsea connection. <laughs> to be fair, Steve Clark. The, the only one you didn't was Daniel Fark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and he got sacked on that same day. Yeah. Um, let me. Okay, so I, I, I think is Reece James is a very easy one for me to go People for. Begin to think you're biased, but ah, uh, mate, I am. <laughs> but um, the reason that I'm going with Reece James, and and I, again, I don't want to hark on about the fact that I was there, but I was there last night. Everything he does at the moment just seems so mature, and for a twenty odd year old, like the very early twenties year old, to to have that much pressure on your shoulders and to do it well, he's keeping our captain out of the team. You know, as Balaqueta, that was his slot. You know, realistically, Tuchel could have come in, seen that Reese James was a good player but not a great player, and gone and got someone like Hakimi in the summer when he, and try and get him ahead of PSG to get him. He didn't do that, and he stayed with him. Last night, I saw him barge players off the ball. I saw him chest balls down. I saw him flick balls. The, the goal that he scored it came over to him. He just chested it. And the way that he chested it to get away from the defender. And then that, that I said he scored that goal three times. He has scored that goal three times, twice against Newcastle and once against Juventus now. He almost scored it in the first half as well. Reese James is one of the best right backs in the world and he's English. Uh, and 
I think that is a superb thing for just the nation in general. But to watch it as a Chelsea fan, it was just such a, a complete performance. And you could look at last night, I think, uh, I can't remember who got it. Um, it. It was a player that you wouldn't really expect to get man of the match last night. Um, I don't think it was Thiago. I think it was... I actually can't remember who it was. It wasn't Chaloba either. I can't remember. No idea. Don't really care, to be honest. But it should have been Reese James because he just played an absolute blinder. Um, he's, he's, he is playing really well at the moment. I, I, like I said, I, he was on my list. And, yeah. And, uh, I knew you'd pick a Chelsea player. So, he does it. He uh, does it. Seen, it's very difficult. Else. It's, well, it's very... <laughs> mate, how... It's so difficult to do it. To pick someone else when I'm, 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 you know, fifty yards away from this guy, yeah, no, making no. magic. The only other it's, person, it's the only other person that I say could have got it in, in what was an absolutely insane week of fixtures, would be Steven Gerrard, because he got that two 0 win against Brighton, and Brighton is not an easy team to play against at the moment. No, you know, they've had mm-hmm. a fantastic season so far. I think Steven Gerrard as a manager could have been up there. Um, but Reese James, like I say, for me, there's, there's always going to be a if I see it live. So expect the next couple of weeks, if we win, to be full of Chelsea players as well. I'll just do it on a rotation. I'll basically play like Tuchel. I think I'm a lot like Tuchel anyway, although with a bit more hair. Um, but I'll, um, so you could be the, the visual of Tuchel and I'll be the tactical genius of Tuchel. But um, yeah, I think Stephen Gerrard could have got a shout in there. I think Dean Smith could have got a shout. I think managers this week. Really, really good. Klopp actually could have a shout every week at the moment because he's also ticking Liverpool along quite nicely to just keep up with with what we're doing at the moment at the top. So, um, yeah, or Conte for getting his first win because no, everyone knows it's difficult for Spurs to uh, to score, yeah. let alone yeah. sort of win. Um, okay, so red cards are tough this week, mate. Yeah, I told you before before we started this that I was really struggling to find a, a red card. Um, so for me, there was uh, there wasn't a big selection. I, I thought possibly you could have said Unai Emery because I think uh, Villarreal were, uh, weren't. Yeah, they had a great opportunity to, yeah. to you know to qualify in the Champions League by beating us, and, and uh, they I didn't. I th- yeah, I thought. Um, Rogers, Brendan Rogers at Leicester, thinking Leicester are, are playing so poorly at the moment. I don't Bad think he's done particularly well. Chelsea, mate. Bad the, first half. the obvious one was Harry Maguire for being sent, you know, for, for being sent off at, at a time when United were getting back into the game. We'd just gone two one down, completely unnecessary at two two yellow cards uh, out of the Chelsea game, which probably isn't a bad thing for us. Um, but obviously, yeah. I've given Maguire my red card in other podcasts, and I don't want to do it again. Yeah. So my red card of the week was Mikel Arteta for one thing and one thing only. Yeah. Rowing on the sideline with Klopp was yeah. what cost Arsenal that game. So Petulant. at the point at, at the point that happened, it was nil-nil. Arsenal yeah. were, had, had silenced all the Anfield crowd. You could see it was getting a little bit tetchy. And all Anfield needs is a spark to come yeah. alive and Liverpool just, just go up the levels. Yeah. And Arguing with Klopp on the sideline, got the crowd up, got the team, got Liverpool up, and Liverpool absolutely spanked Arsenal afterwards. And and I think, and uh, yeah, this is just my opinion, had Mikel Arteta not reacted the way he did and had that row on the sideline, yeah, yeah, 
that the game would have made Liverpool may have still won, and I think Liverpool were certainly the strongest side and, and, and probably would have won it. I don't think Arsenal would have lost 4 0. No. And I don't think the crowd would have got up at that point. So it was like about half it was about half an hour. They'd got yeah, they'd yeah. through about 30 minutes before that happened. So I think my red card this week was was Mikel Arteta for reacting, and that's probably the, the Spanish Latin flair in him or whatever that <laughs> that you know he, he couldn't not react. I know he's protecting his he didn't need to. Fouled. He didn't need to, but it was that spark that set the game off and, and turned the game on its head and Liverpool, uh, uh, the Anfield crowd, you know, that. Yeah. Um, I mean, it. So, it was such an unnecessary fight. It's not like it's a... Uh, yeah. Didn't need to do it. And 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 yeah. all it takes, like I said, is, is that one incident, that one thing that will that will get the, the, the Liverpool fans, you know, out of their seats, shouting their heads yeah, off, yeah. you know, that, that intimidating actually you've been to Anfield you know it's like it's quite an intimidating ground you know it's uh, they were I mean mate I'll be honest they yeah. weren't that intimidating when I was there it was not a good atmosphere but the minute they scored it did so the, the Liverpool fans are the 12th man on the yeah, on that pitch yeah definitely and 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 if and if your team are doing so well by silencing them keeping Liverpool yeah. at bay you know you've gone you've halfway through you're nearly at half time get to half time at nil nil you, you've you've done yeah, you're halfway there he reacted and that was the spark that led to Liverpool running away with a game so I think yeah. he he uh he perhaps showed a bit of inexperience there I think as a manager but yeah, yeah it was that that cost him the game he was my red card this week so I think he had a bit of a stinker with that one yeah, I think that's really fair, actually. Um, I'm in a position that I'm kind of going for the easy ones this week, and not because I I don't can't think of anything else. But Harry Maguire is my red card of the week. And the, let's do the, a tally because he's now got it twice. Yeah, we'll have to do a tally a bit. You know the the reason for it though, mate, is that we said it. You mentioned him a little bit earlier because he was he was up there for you. Mm-hmm. You just you were a pussy and didn't want to give it to him. I'm giving it to twice. him already. I can't two weeks in a row. The the problem with it is that the tackle that was made was so unnecessary and yeah. the response from it, we spoke about the response on Sunday night on, on our last um our last podcast. The problem with it is he makes the tackle only about six minutes after getting booked the first time. That tackle a little bit further down the pitch could have actually been a red card because it, it was quite close to being an obvious goal scored opportunity, I think, as well. Yeah, he, and then he, he gets sent off the ball. And then he, yeah, yeah. he gets sent off. He gets, he throws the armband. He throws the armband in this sort of like little sort of thing. Ollie obviously trying to like keep some face, like gives him a pat on the back or a high five or whatever it was. And the, I mean, he just lacks such a personality that he should have come out at that point and gone, I really screwed up today. I apologise to the board, to the fans, to the players, to every single person, to the gaffer. He should have just said everything about, I'm sorry for that, and it isn't right. Um, and I, I don't know. I just think that's the last thing that United needed. Yeah. If you'd have yeah. lost 4-1 and that wouldn't have happened, you'd have gone, do you know what? They went down... But at least nothing stupid happened. Yeah. You well, know, the, Ronaldo's the, the person you expect the, to get sent off in that situation because he is a little bitch. Well, petulant, yeah. But but do you know what? the the um, the timing was so bad. Terrible. I mean, before the game, yeah, we've spoken about him at length. We said he's he's not an inspirational captain. Doesn't lead by example. He um he's he 
since coming back early from injury against Leicester, he's been at fault for 90% of our, the goals we've conceded in some way or another. You know, he's, he is woefully out of form. He's been massively overplayed. He's woefully out of form. He needed to be dropped. He needed, I've said, he needed to be the captaincy taken away from him. Oli Solskjaer, before the game, was asked that question. And he said, no, he's been a stalwart and he will always be my captain. He's been, he's been out, you know, a stalwart oh. on the pitch and off the pitch. And he lets him down. And he lets the team down because we just got back into the game. Donny had come on, scored. We were 2-1 down. Yeah. Uh, we were looking like we, we were... I'm not saying we were going to definitely get back into the game, but we looked like we, had, we were you know, playing a little bit better than we had done because the first half was wonderfully shocking. Um, and, and, he, and he does that and throws the, throws the like, armband. And, and do you know what? I'm done with him. I, I, yeah, yeah I, I think it's going to... He needs to take a break from... I think it's lucky that he's now got this bit of time to basically. It's only a one-game suspension, isn't it? So he only misses the Chelsea game. Yeah, but I think that that could have been really bad for him if he'd have gone to Chelsea as well, and then something would have happened there. And like I say, for, for for me, it's it's a case that he, like Arteta, pretty much lost that game for you, uh, for Arsenal by doing that and geeing up the Anfield crowd, basically. Yeah. I feel like um, Maguire basically lost that game for yeah, I mean, United. Yeah, he ultimately cost Oli his job. I think. One of no, those, no, no, no. Uh, I don't. I don't. Folks. I don't think that's. The, I mean, maybe. Maybe it's not four-one. They don't actually sack Oli and they they wait a while. But I actually think the performance of what happened in that game is essentially what what lost Oli the job. Um, so there we have it. For this, this week. Card. I can't disagree. Can't disagree. Harry Maguire's red card. Mikel Arteta's a red card. Reese James gets 50% of a, a player of the week. <laughs> and who, who did you say? Robert Lewandowski. Lewandowski as well. So it's Lewandowski, Reese James um, get a point each, I think, for the season. We'll see how the rest of that goes. We'll have to, we'll have to start tallying it up. We'll chuck it up on the screen. We'll put it in the comments, maybe. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's been the red card for this week. Thank you for listening. Like, comment, and subscribe. Uh, we'll be back next week, uh, hopefully just before all of the midweek games. Um, and yeah, we'll catch you then. Take care, everyone.